thank you so much for joining us um on this very like tricky week yeah it's weird it just bounced back from like losing a phone it's the, the, the thursday the 14th of september yeah it's a weird week yeah it's strange i'm so sorry about your phone oh and we were talking off record about like you were like literally having like a discourse about the possibilities and the realities we face in South Africa. But under one thing about me, yes, if I'm gonna discourse. Yes, yeah. for sure, for sure. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy, man. So are you okay? How are you feeling in retrospect? Was your phone insured? Yes, it was. Um, I feel in a weird way that I'm happy that my phone also got stolen. Mm-hmm. Um. It also just like, in a weird way, forced me to feel like, okay, maybe I'm sort of paying for a karma. I, I haven't pinpointed what that karma is, but I just felt like, okay, being on such a high level of joy and excitement mm-hmm. and happiness, they, should, they sort of have to be like a, a come down. And in a weird way, like, like like we were speaking off record is like mm. I'd, I'd rather have like a thing go missing mm. than any harm inflicted to on me body, on yeah. my body yeah. or a loved one you know yeah. um it, it was definitely like something that i had to sort of like go through and endure because mm-hmm. it was like you know like the industry in you you can't just make decisions that are f- f- decisions that are financially like related is something that you have to plan and mm-hmm. budget for and it's like now you actually having to pay so much access mm-hmm. on insurance mm-hmm. um and them telling you that oh no um i don't know how the insurance process work but it's important to be insured mm-hmm. um but yeah um, i'm i'm happy that that happened and and i allowed that moment to mold me mm-hmm. now i'm here but wait, wait, wait. yes okay Just let's want to caution something caution. before we move on to yes, me yes. I don't think that you should go. I don't think that that's the case. I don't think it's like some karmic value that you need to kind of acclimatize and balance out. You shouldn't blame yourself. I was just kind of before the part started itself. I was just talking about like the natural reality of South Africa, right? Yes. So like regardless of um, the situation in which everyone's coming together in, there's always going to be this like, strong class separation and divide right which i think supersedes race particularly in a 2023 context in south africa um so i don't think it's about like a karmic retribution i think it's just about a fact and reality like i was saying um you enter middle class space you can afford um insurance you're going to get robbed yeah and that's a kind of our experience but i don't think anyone deserves it i think it's just going to (laughs) happen true i don't know i just felt like yeah, it sucks. not, not it's that I'm deserving. I felt like, okay, cool. This is the low moment. Yeah, it uh, is, which is weird. It is an invasion of your privacy and your personal yeah. space. Um, it's a reflection on how much we value capital, how much uh, effort and time you've put into being able to afford your phone. So all those things kind of come into play. But no one deserves to be robbed. Yeah, but I'm sorry that it ended in that. <laughs> in that moment yeah because yeah. it was like such a monumental like mm-hmm. night for the city mm-hmm. um yeah flowers to all our lost phones out there or yeah. lost things yeah yeah. yeah 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 i just think about my like before we had like the super kind of uh security element and situation around like lost phones or stolen phones i was always super like preoccupied with my nudes on stolen phones so i'm just like 
Is that a scary sort of like? No, not. Uh, great. I'm just like that person got a piece of a little peek. myself. Yeah, a little peek into my <laughs> private life. Good yeah, for him. Yeah, but I do think like, oh, they wipe it and they're not interested, and it's just passed on to somebody else. Oh. But it is kind of like um, your digital kind of imprint, and then it, it's like this um, key part of it just gets taken away from you. Yeah, it's crazy. Just in terms of the archive. Yeah process and also just replicating all these things because this thing is an extension of yourself 100 percent. so it is a scary thought that like another human being has access to so many parts of you giving dystopia is giving black mirror vibes (laughs) yo but the the beauty of these things that like it's so technologically that like what's the word technologically advanced that it's locked as a fortress or is it though you know yeah i met you on my phone which is we do you, do you remember? Yeah, we yeah. went to the phone. Do you remember the first time we interacted? Um, we interact a lot. Okay, the very first time. What? On social on, media. On social media. No, no not to, in real life. Not in real life. Rem- I'm much older than you. <laughs> real, real. <laughs> you it might mu- have been like when I was still doing like those um, documentaries about mm-hmm. Scarlet Economics. And I had yes. known about you at the time. Mm. And I remember you like reached out. I was like, whoa, this is like a very constructive feedback. Who is this person? Then I saw, oh, okay. And put A, B, C together yeah. and like the rest was history. Yeah. I think that um, I just get really excited about storytellers that like can't um, um, contain it. And I just feel like you have this unmatched energy about your output. And I, I was very much drawn to that. And I think your work speaks a lot for itself. So I feel like that's why I was drawn to just saying, like, I'm witnessing this moment. And I think it's amazing. Well, thank mm. you so much. That's, like, very humbling. Mm. And those are, like, stories that I think, okay, uh, let me start here. Mm. What made you want to get into film? Because for me, it was documentary. Right. Yeah. Um. So... It's interesting that for you it was documentary filmmaking. I've been kind of pigeonholed into the docu space, I feel. Um, and, and not for lack of talent. Like, I love it. I feel like it's something that I'm very drawn to, I'm very good at. But I think um, instinctively starting out, I've always been drawn to narrative. Um, I grew up with a thespian father, so I've always been really interested in performance as like a, a tool. Um, and then being on the other side, like curating the performance and telling these human narratives, but from a very um, uh, linear narrative-driven place, as opposed to like finding the story out of real authenticity. I don't know if I'm making sense. but No, I hear you. So I've always been really moved by docu work. I love making documentary uh, film work, but um, I mean, ideally I see myself... Um, in a little bit more of like a feature or television space. Um, but obviously like life is long and finances impact on you. You know what I mean? So yeah. I mean, I have like dreams and goals that I think I will realize. It's just, I've also, like I said to you earlier, I'm way older than you. I've also just entered a space into my life where I'm feeling a lot more patient about things, um, which has helped. <laughs> Yeah, but the reason, what inspired, what started, my dad took me um, when I was eight years old to the cinema. And I have three other siblings. We have a huge family. Um, but you, was, you being the baby? No, I'm the middle. Part? Obviously, okay. you can tell. 
I can't tell. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. Um, you can't tell, you're right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so my the point is that it was like an individual date and that was quite rare because my sister and I are two years apart and my baby brother's also two years apart. So it was always in like a duo or all of us together, but I don't know the proper context. And I've asked my dad about this and they can't remember the, the story, but um, I remember it so clearly. They were like, we were at the waterfront and they like kneeled down in front of me and they were like, my child. I'm going to show you a movie now. That you, Like, there's some elements of it that you might not understand or get, but it's perfect, and I think you really need to watch it. And it was The Matrix. Wow. How old are you at <laughs> this time? I was eight. Wow. <laughs> so then I went to go watch The Matrix with my father. I love how there was, like, no age restriction at that time. There was. I think it was PG-10. Well, I don't think it was PG-10. I think it was just 10. Um, so I think that's how we got away with it but um yeah and then I watched it I was really overwhelmed it was like really scary but also just so beautiful like um that uh, spoon scene sticks out so much in my mind with the oracle um also when his mouth gets like molded together and then when the thing gets sucked out of his belly button it's also crazy um and but just also like the philosophical element of it so then like a week later my godmother was visiting from Joburg and I was telling her about this movie. And she was like, oh, my God, it sounds so amazing. So my dad goes, oh, Andy, we should take you to watch it. Kyla, do you want to go see it again? So like a week later, let's go watch it. Ew. <laughs> so and then I think. Um, and, and it's just you and your dad or your so other siblings no, also real then? No, just me and my dad. Wow. And I think um, like the, the, on the second watch, I understood like the ideological and philosophical element of it. Um, just because I was a child and yeah. the first time I watched it was like very like assaulting on yeah. my senses but the second watch you kind of understand like some of the underlying themes I cried a lot in the second watch wow. particularly around the Morpheus I'm like really still very obsessed with the Morpheus character so uh, to cut a long fucking story short um, <laughs> I watched um, The Matrix by the now Wachowski siblings um, and it completely changed my life. And I was like, I want to make something like this one day. Damn, that is beautiful. And then as time like went on and as, as, as you grew, like becoming like a teen. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer. Okay. My dad, oh my God, I'm going to sound like such a daddy girl. <laughs> but I mean, um, my dad was like, no, you can't be a lawyer or a cop. I also wanted to be a cop. So I'm a Libra, and I was also born in, like, the new democracy, which is at the, the precipice of it, um, and a biracial, so it's, like, I'm about justice, you know, like, people's rights, and, like, making the world a better place. And you're aware of the, your biracialness at that age? No, but I think instinctively the way we were raised as, like, indigo children in this, like, progressive new democracy, like, Berea, like, vibes, 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 okay. you know, so I just think... There's, there was this kind of mounting societal pressure on all of us as millennials yeah. to, like, fix yeah. the world. Um, and it just felt like it came from our parents, from the media, from school. Like, I believe that children are our future. Like, I just felt like there was just so much pressure. So, I mean, I think my personal interest around, like, how I saw myself living my life um, deviated into something that I thought society needed from me. So just kind of did away with the idea around filmmaking and then arrived back at it. 
and then your dad saying you can't be a lawyer or a cop mm. because of those reasons. Bec- no, because I mean, my dad, I would say in essence, is probably just anti-cop from like a political level. Stance, yeah. Yeah, and then with the law thing, um, obviously, like I had like super idealistic ideas around what law would entail. And my dad was just a bit like, oh, you're going to have to defend criminals. Yeah. And do you want to do that? Which is interesting because now, post my film career, I, do, I am actually very interested in um, criminal psychology, but that's like a different conversation. Conversation. <laughs> Yo, that is beautiful. Yeah. And then, um, what, what are, your, what are your, uh, your, your older siblings and your younger siblings vibe like at this moment when you sort of like fascinated about like this film thing? What, what, what interest are they picking up that you sort of paying attention to growing up? I think um, we inherently by like uh, nature of the environment that we grew up in and kind of the dynamics and relationships that we created among each other, we're all storytellers. My sister's a writer, my older sister, um, both my brothers are in film as <laughs> Flowers to them. <laughs> um, but th- like kind of, I think just at the start around figuring out how they want to kind of articulate these narratives and these stories. And I also think it's like a cultural thing. Um, like my dad is so cool colored and an actor. From Elsie's, right? Yes, that's yes. correct. From Elsie's Refute. Um so I just think that there is like a genetic predisposition for like storytelling. Telling. Yeah. And so I, I just found my little niche. I think. I don't know. We'll see. That's beautiful. Yeah. So you come from this ecosystem of like storytellers in essence. Exactly. Um, what does your mother's side look like? <laughs> What's her personality like? My mother's also a storyteller. And I would say the okay. best. Like, so it's so interesting because... So um, when my dad's career was at its peak, just for context for the listeners, my dad's Sally Philander. Um, so when my dad's career was at its peak, my mom was basically managing my dad's books. And they were like, they had like a, a, a co-working relationship, which was basically ultimately like his manager. Um, but kind of the perception of her role was like the mother and the housewife. And there were four of us. Um, and I just think that my mom found herself in a position because of the nature of the type of woman that she is, where she just became a really incredible mother and a really incredible like business and artist manager. But at the end of the day, is an artist herself. So I don't actually. I think my mom is a great scribe. I think she's an incredible writer. But like, I also just wonder what other kind of artistic endeavors so to me like we're storytellers my mom feels like an artist like a true artist um so we'll see where that leads for her yeah Yeah. do you ever think about your dad being your subject i do that's a very intimate and personal question i often like people that i love i want to tell stories about all the time but there's also something in me that's like hesitant about like collaborating and going into those vulnerable spaces with people that are close to me because um, I don't know, I just get scared of what what could happen as a result. Like what we create together, like what could that mean for our relationship? Well, what could happen to that relationship? Um, I don't know. I think, I don't know if this is something you battle with or it's something that you're still navigating, but like, the role of the director is so like um, 
useless but at the same time necessary so you're like really navigating this limbo space but ultimately like um curating and setting up a framework that the story can exist in right and if you have people push back against that i think it's easier to negotiate when there's no like personal connection as such like mm. we have this long history and like heritage and you know how to push my button so i'm going to say this to get like my way in terms of the subject <laughs> okay okay um, i just also feel like by nature the type of person i am people um um mistake my kindness for weakness and then i get really offended when people don't respect me so i'd rather just like leave that out of my personal Presence, relationships yeah. yeah and like your dad being so so like someone that is so close to you yeah, yeah. and obviously i'm super biased yeah um I am interested in we are we are talking about something like working on something together but we need to just establish the roles my dad's also very like dominant um in personality energy, yeah okay. and it's just you know it's just like the conflict of two like very stubborn people hard-headed people with like a very specific idea in mind and obviously there's like reparenting happening so like the older my dad gets the more I'm like oh you should listen to me and as like a father they're like fuck that yeah so there's just i feel fuck now i'm like <laughs> spilling over about my dad yeah. but like um i just find like i yeah, i don't want to work with people that i love i hear and you and not to say i don't love the people that i work with yeah. but that's two different things no i hear you yeah. did you ever like spend christmases and birthdays in elsie's river Oh, that's an interesting question. I, what okay. what was um, vibes like with your other cousins and being in that space? So obviously, you have like a context of like growing up in a coloured community, correct? Right? So um, I lived in Joburg, away from my so called coloured family, um, like up until I was like six years old, and then um, where in Joburg? In Berea. Berea, okay. Yeah, and then when we moved to Cape Town, we moved to Woodstock, and then I went to. Um, Mountain Road Primary, um, and shout out, shout out! <laughs> it was crazy. It was a crazy school. Like public school is crazy. Yeah, public schools is necessary. What do you mean? I don't know. It, I think it molds you. I think I had like a very formative moment at public school. And this is junior public school. Yes, because okay. then my parents sent us to private school after. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that moment. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, public school is crazy. It's cr- yeah, I like it's crazy. there's no other yeah, 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 phrasing yeah. for it. Yeah. That's not even a judgment. It's just a fact. Like it's fucking crazy. Yeah, um, but so I don't know. I think there's also this construct around which I think has changed slightly in terms of like the cultural conversation around like townships and the ghetto and the hood um, and how you kind of reflect on that. But basically. M- my my great grandmother lived in District Six, got forcibly removed, and then the 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 Philander family basically got sp- spread out. Very famous surname, by the way. Yeah, there's tons of us, um, and let's not even get into etymology because I don't know how their name slaves back back in the day or why it's they were called my ancestors Philander. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just think because um, my dad is from a specific generation, also worked really hard to get to where they got to at a point um ended up buying a house for his mother and 
she so by the time we were like cognizant of our family and stuff yeah. yeah she she'd already moved towards stock in the house that my dad bought it. okay because um, my dad's the oldest of four sons and like they obviously like I'm sure people have seen in the public like complications around their queer identity and stuff, my father's, but there's certain things that are entrenched in you as a color of Like, I'm the oldest son, I need to buy a house for my mother. Like for sure. I'll <laughs> regardless be that of where yeah, we're yeah, at. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I think um, like um, by the time like I was old enough to kind of remember those like kind of familial kind of moments or functions um a lot of our family had moved to baha already so it's okay. more like a baha context than okay. alsi's context okay itself, yeah what was bala like initially like i love going there and was like one of the best places but like the older i got the more i'm like fuck i would dread like going because it's just depressing what, what made it depressing um like how Tuck had like taken over the street that like um the, the my grand's friend who we'd always used to go visit. Wow. And like how bad that become and like you know, like yeah. <laughs> like your friend who's like fourteen, the same age as you and she's pregnant. Like it's just it became like um, overwhelming for me from like a social perception thing. Okay. And and trying to under make sense of it and not being able to find an answer for why it is the way it is. So at this time, you your your parents uh, took you out of the public sort of school environment uh-huh. and placed you in this sort of private I went school, to Catholic school, Catholic school. Mm. What's the adjustment there? Are you surrounded by children who also come from a background you come from? Is it majority affluent kids? Mm, majority affluent kids, and like even the black and colored kids are affluent. Yeah. So Which is not like so. So I grew up, and I don't want to like. I want to be very clear that like my childhood was amazing. My parents worked really hard to give us what they did. But when you're in those environments, and I'm sure I don't know, you can attest to this. Like seeing like affluent kids who look like you. Only at after. <gasps> Fuck. <it. laughs> yeah, yeah. You could say you retract, could say yeah, yeah. Redacted. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get too carried on. <laughs> Don't see yeah, me. We, we'll, we'll get we'll to get that, that conversation. No, yeah. but I mean, the yeah. narrative started earlier on for me when I'm yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in that environment. So, um, yeah, it's just like your understanding is that this is like a, there's a familiarity here because we look the same. And this, yeah. is obviously like, this is obviously like young minds yeah, trying yeah, to make yeah. sense of it. So it's like, but then... You go to your like friend's house and you're like, oh my god! Like, how is this person? Y'all fucking? got it different over here. Yeah, and like the only exposure to like crazy big beautiful houses that I saw when I was a kid was when Sleepovers. I was there. We go, there we go. So I was just like, and then I was sorry, mom and dad, if you ever listen to them. And then I was like embarrassed to bring them back to my house and stuff. Um, but I mean, in retrospect, it was amazing. I'm really lucky. I'm super privileged. Rich, but yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a major adjustment because it's like at the time and as a teen, like when you're growing up, you're like, what is valuable to life and yeah. what's valuable to me? Like looking a specific way, having straight hair, yeah, having my breasts be bigger, like um, just having nice clothes. And I, n- 
I didn't get a pair of designer shoes until I was like 18, like a Nike, a pair of Nike shoes. Yeah. Because my mom, because I have a, I come from mixed heritage, my mother's white. She never like uh, gave into the sneaker conversation. Oof. Because I felt like if, if it was just my dad, we could have worked him. Yeah. But my Ooh. white mother was like, are you joking? Yeah. Whilst your feet are still growing. You want the you want Nike, Nike shoes? Yeah. No. Crazy. Um. So and a resentment, resentment, anger, brattiness. How yeah. dare they? But in retrospect, like it just made me a much better person. Person. So would you describe like your teens, your teen sort of um, chapter uh-huh. being folded those emotions? Yeah, yeah, a lot. Especially also like like I said, like I don't mean to be like, oh my god, as a biracial, it's so hard. It's not. But I think um, when you're in this constant flux of identity. Like, and you're not able to, like, calm your fucking hormones down or know how you feel in a real way about the world that's not a reflection of your parents or your teachers or your friends. There's, like, a lot of resentment and anger that builds up because you're just confused. You're like, who am I? Uh, Oh, my God, I'm listening to the killers and I want to kill myself. Yeah. (laughs) No, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. And, like, I, I think, like... Right. What I'm interested in is like I'll, I'll share first, and then yeah. you can um um co- continue afterwards. Like growing up for me, like in a predominantly like colored setting, um, you know, as as kids or as teenagers, we only sort of like exposed to um you know what we're exposed to and like gr- growing up uh, uh, like i'd go to um family like um houses in the townships and there would always be this complex of be like like wh- why do you only have like crushes on, on colored girls why don't you have crushes on closer girls and it's like something that i really let i had to work through i think i've only figured it out so i was in I was in a colored primary school mm-hmm. and a colored high school. Mm-hmm. Super colored high school. Where did you go? I was in North Prime Primary. I was in high school, Bernadine Heights. Mm-hmm. It's like around the corner from my mom's house. Mm-hmm. So I want to know, having said that, what was your view on like what a handsome person looked like for you or a beautiful person or someone that you found attractive growing up? How did you define or describe what that looks like for you? Okay, that's a... <laughs> I think um, I think your desirability and attraction is made up of multiple things. Um, just I'm, I have to precursor this because my answer is not great. <laughs> so I gotta <laughs> lay down what, the foundation. Wh- one thing, one. Okay, let's hear. Let's hear. Let's hear. Lay it down. Lay it down. Lay the cushion. Lay the cushion. Yeah, the cushion. Lay the cushion. Um, is that I think for women as well for women. Um, Safety plays a big part. Um, I think in terms of what I was drawn to and and who I was attracted to, um, I was very drawn and attracted to very much um, men who were black or white. I found um, some form of resentment towards coloured men and brown boys because... I was also, like, severely bullied by colored boys growing up. So, yeah, I think there was, like, a natural, like, rejection Rejection, of that. And I think that also plays into, like, you know, this Freudian sense of, like, parent issues, you know, and having a colored father. Um, Also, you know, your first understanding of, like, safety and and familiarity is with your mother. So um, I did um, dip my toes in some white 
men some pink dick can i say that oh <laughs> uh, would you would you say it like why i was like um white pudding that i don't know why pudding came up in my head because <laughs> i was dipping toes <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you're clearly into colored girls i can see not the toe no it's <laughs> It's too soon, too soon, too soon, too soon, too um, soon. And yeah, I dated um, some some white men. Um, I hooked up with some black men and tried to make them my boyfriends, and they said no. Um, so the rejection was from their side. Yeah, but I also th- it's to do with like being a whole, right? It's to do with like being objectified as a colored woman and being like, "Are you crazy if you think I'm going to take you home to my?" A very traditional mother and it's just like girl come on um i mean this was when i'm young yeah and like ignorant and stupid and just wanting the best and being a romantic at heart so um yeah i think it was just i was very preoccupied with um people that weren't colored so it was like black men and white men it was like b2k and in sync okay. there was no in between Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then in terms of like actual like dynamics, like I was really ugly growing up. So like no, no teen boys. Well, not. That is so like, that is like, is there another way of saying that? Well, ask my bullies. (laughs) I'm joking. No, I just, there's, you have to be real by the time that it's like, like if, if people said this thing to me for an extended like period of time, it doesn't necessarily make it true, but that is what happened. So like men only started showing interest in me when I was like 16. And when I say men, I mean men because the boys I was interested in didn't care for me. Um, so yeah, I think that's to do with like leaning, like coming into your own femininity or like yeah. sexuality or looks. Um, so I, it was more just like fantasy stuff when it came to like celebs. Celeb, yeah. okay, that's that's interesting. Uh-huh. And like for me, like being raised by a single mom uh-huh. and not sort of having like a stable sort of like father figure in my right. life. Yeah. So when my mother like was still in like a dating era, uh-huh. I was like probably like 10 or 11 at the mm, time and mm. it's like different boyfriends like mm. that would like not sit right with me yeah. at, at the time and i'd be like yo why is this like this you know mm. and i don't know these guys mm. and they just have like so much access into my life mm. my mom mm. and i think in retrospect that made me want to become a person who sort of like was also like romantic mm. by nature and mm. want to hold on even though things are sort of like not as cute or mm. as um, real mm. or in actual fact being unable to things being unable to see things for what they are you know mm-hmm. um and like yeah my cousins would pick on me on like liking colored girls or whatever mm. but um i don't think i disliked other girls, girls. it's yeah. just that that was what my childhood sort of like m- describe beauty mm, for me was as, at the time yeah. you know in, in a mm. weird oddly specific way mm. um and i like all women um i like all women like I all women all matter 
you know <laughs> and yeah it's 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 it, so i i definitely like relate with you when you say your attraction is molded by your childhood and yeah. what triggers you mm. what you've been through um and i think there's a lot of modern day pressure on like yeah. dating options and it's a lot of projection i don't think it's just don't take it personally it's not yeah. just about you like there's this narrative around like you know, super radical black woman activists Oof. always end up marrying a white man. And Oof. it's just like, girl, mind your business. Yeah. How's, how's our POC like, oh, let me not say that statement. POC what? <laughs> Rugby players, like POC cricketers. Exactly. It's like the standard is exactly. like a white woman. So, you know, as someone who comes from a mixed uh, heritage, yeah. I think... I think people are idealistic. I think it's a valid criticism, but I feel like it needs to be based in like fact. So it's like if you are in an interracial relationship, are you doing the work for each other? Like fuck what everyone else is saying. You know, Sia and Rachel, okay, they obviously have a very strong understanding between the two of them to have survived all of this shit up until this point. And I think that's what's important. Like the noise is the noise. You will date a black woman and you will still be criticized by some group of people. Yeah. So I just think when it comes to romance, when it comes to love, when it comes to your personal relationship. It's human to human. Yeah. yeah. Worry about how you're making your goal feel, feel or how your goal yeah. is making you feel. Like yeah. Who, like, yeah. I also, I was like, oh, Rachel, but she's kind of fire. She's, yeah. kind of, she's kind of a boss. And it took Sia to win a World Cup to make other South African women think that he's handsome. Let's well, talk about that. Not me. Okay, anyway. okay, okay. No, Jody, my <laughs> friend, she's a photographer. Yeah. Um, and she just, she, sh- she showed me a picture that came up in her Facebook memories um, that she took of our friend Renati and some rugby player and at, at um, Zoli's. And it's here with a shaved head. Wow. And he looks so fine. Like, breathtaking like damn but like hunk. baby baby Ooh. baby yeah and i'm just like look the the desirability chat around black men it's not really my portion Shane, yeah because one thing about me is like uh, across culture and race like men men will fuck me like 100 percent. like oh that's this is like a certain archetype of a person that like ticks all these desirability boxes it's happening right but um i think what's more interesting is like how we can engage with each other outside of like a sexual dynamic right because it's like i think the question is around like how do you treat women in ja are you only just reserving this kind of treatment for your white wife or your black husband, or your white husband, or whatever it is, but then the way you show up in the world is, is different from that. I think that's a way more interesting conversation. Conversation. Yeah. 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 So I think, leave the rugby players alone. <laughs> Let them be. No, I'm, I'm it's happy. It's a very, you s- formerly very Afrikaans, white dominant yeah. space. Yeah. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Come for the rugby players. I don't, does, I don't care. But I do like Sia and Rachel. Yeah. Flowers to them, man. Um, and good luck. <laughs> 
Good luck for the World Cup. Good luck for the World, World Cup, Cup. Not, yeah. for the, the not, not for the marriage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who are we to to speak on of uh, their relationship? Well, I can because I'm a biracial child. Yeah, but I I choose not to because it's nobody's fucking business. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm, yeah. it comes down yeah. to. It's nobody's business. Yeah. We can just admire the union. You know. Yes. Um, FCS DMing some other hands That's <laughs> a different story Whoa That's real though Yeah I don't think he would Yeah You, nev- you never I, know You yeah. never Yeah a man is a man Yeah At the end of the day <laughs> <laughs> So I think It's quite um, Interesting how Like You feel like You've been like Put in this Place where you only being included for like documentary mm. related stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, one of your recent pieces that you did in Nigeria mm. with um, our angel face Roman <laughs> um, and Dan Welsh, and he, you know he co-shot with Roman. Oh, with Roman, yes. um, which looked incredibly Thank fun. You. And Thank I don't you. think like we've actually had a contextual uh, contextual conversation about, about that experience. Yeah. Because um, I remember your reaction was really beautiful. I know you watched the whole thing. I watched the whole thing, and I think you yeah. were like one of the first of like my social circle. There's some friends who haven't even watched it, which is fine. Like, what you mind keeping it separate? But yeah, I really appreciate that. Which was that you beautiful. Sat down like, and, and you watched it. It means a lot. To t- me. Take me through that process of going to <laughs> night. Okay, take it before. Like, how did the project come about? You know, like. Um, it's a huge, like it's a big deal. Yeah, I think there was just um, so Rebel Nigeria, um, the 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 lead client there, Tahib, was like um, instrumental in the concept and and creating this like tension in the conversation around the Afrobeat music um and then the dance style that has become so popularized through like you know the advent of the internet didn't even start on tiktok like we're talking you know p square yeah um, that kind of like narrative and then you look at like how the african diaspora has grown and there's only it only makes sense that they would now have like an afrobeat yeah, category square, at the vmas yeah, you know yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah, so yeah. i mean it should have been not the remix it should have just been the rema track on its own, like yeah. no shade to Selena, but yeah, um, it worked both ways. That thing, though. I mean, to be fair, it did because America's so insular. Yeah, and if it's not like an American artist, are they going to break the American market? Yeah. So I hear you. I'm yeah. also trying to be a little bit more like um, neutral in my <laughs> reads of situations yeah. instead of being so black and white. Yeah. But anyway, back to uh, Fla- flowers to Rima. Yeah, I yeah. love him. I love him so yeah. much. Um, but yeah, that was also tied into that. Like, I mean, th- there's something crazy that happened. Um, for like a full year, I had the shower playlist. And um, one of my favorite songs is If by DeVito. Oof. And I played it for like, Classic. it was all my, like every day. I was shame my poor boyfriend. Every day would start the, if I tell you, say I love you. Boom, boom. And I feel like that manifested something really crazy because Ooh. like Iconic reached out to me and they said, we're pitching on this thing. Um, and we think you'd be perfect for it. And then we created the, con- like Tahib and, and Red Bull Nigeria had this like incredible concept. And then, um, Andrew Kirby, who's my creative director on the project, and I um, developed kind of our filmic treatment and documentary approach to how we would like tell the story. And then we pitched it to international and then Nigeria, and then they were like, 
come through. But it was so hectic because the um, events got pushed out because of COVID and stuff. And then there was like a flight ban to Nigeria when we, <laughs> like a week before we were supposed to arrive. Whoa. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, because of COVID stuff. And remember, that it was the Omicron thing. Yeah. So that's when the whole of the first world like shut Africa down. Yeah. And then obviously because Nigeria and South Africa, they're going to be like, actually you, no, actually you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we, we got in though. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. You were allowed to say <laughs> No, I mean for protecting. Oh, no, okay, so basically okay. we traveled through on the land border. Yeah. Which was very crazy the land border is crazy yeah it's like a four hour like dirt road trip to yeah, Vegas yeah, 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 yeah. with like a army escort and what's crazy is like the cops and the army are on very opposite ends of really? the spectrum child like I don't want to get cancelled for speaking out of turn and like not sounding like I know what I'm talking about because I don't yeah it was just a lot of negotiations yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. and a lot of Negoti- <laughs> negotiations you know um no real um, but then we got in yeah and it was an incredible experience but um, what what goes through your mind when these conversations are happening around you is there inward conversation be like yo this is crazy so when the conversation around like or um, just being in that moment in general what's well, conversation with you well when i came up on about the land road. crossing because yeah. i was like guys is this illegal they were like no because i was like me like I said, I'm a Libra. I'm about, to, and I don't like breaking the rules. It's irritating. I hate it about myself because I feel like I have this rebellious streak in me, but it never comes out fully because then I'm like, oh, guys, that's actually illegal. We can't do that. <laughs> you know, so that was my first question. They're like, it's not. There's a, you know. And then I was like, okay, now I'm with a crew of just men. And like in terms of value systems, like women don't mean uh, shit, you know what I mean? So I was starting to get like hesitant about going at all. Like the world's also falling apart, yeah. like the height of COVID. So I was just like, fuck, what is this turning Let's into? Um, and then I had a call with the fixer because I was like in such like a diva moment. I was like, I called my producer, I was like, I don't think I can do this. And he freaked out. And he was like, I'm setting up a meeting now. Da, 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 da. So then um, I had the fixer convince me about my safety. And then on the call I made, all the key players promised me that I wouldn't die on the trip. I was like, make the problem. They were like, what are you talking about? I'm like, life and death. I grew up in South Africa. Do yeah. you guys understand the value on my life is yeah. not the same as it was? Yeah. So just promised me this and then they all gave me their word so when you had two people holding ak-47 up at each other and my producer and everyone's freaking out i'm like should i take my phone out to record this moment or not? this is crazy <laughs> i don't know i felt like um so there was also a really interesting thing that happened to me in nigeria like my whole relationship with god shifted I felt like in that moment, I was completely protected. Like nothing was going to happen to me. Wow. And when I'd made the call to go to Nigeria on that day, when they made that promise to me, I felt like that was like, that like sealed my faith that everything would be fine. So everyone was freaking out and I was just like, this is, this is fine. You know, that dog, that meme of that dog where he's like in the burning building. Yeah. And he's like, this is fine. That was me. That was you. 
Yeah. Oh. It was cool. It was fun. It was what? an experience. And that was the she just getting it <laughs> into <laughs> it. Yeah. And what are what are the people like? Is Amazing. the is the is the um I don't want to be cancelled, but like no, I like, have so many I have so much love and respect for that space. For I mean, my experience was very specific to Lagos. Yeah. Um, so I can't speak for the whole country. Yeah. But there was something that really shifted inside my heart around pride, around being black, around being an African person, yeah. around being like self-actualized. And regardless of whether you have like one cent to your name or yeah. how any, however many millions of rands that like no one can take away your pride from you. And I was just like, damn, this is, it, it's also just like such a cultural shift. Like, you know, we talk about the West and Westernized culture and how we're influenced by that. Um, and we are very specifically in like a South African context. Um, but like being in a space where it's almost like untouched by that kind of influence. Like obviously colonization has an impact on modernity will exist. Yes, yes. We'll have cell phones and yeah. ways of doing things. But in terms of like the, the proper like social negotiations of the space, completely different. Different setting, yeah. And it was amazing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, also, the, yeah, obviously the poverty line is a, is a lot more prominent. I feel like there's like a very tiny middle class group. And I don't That's know if it exists. I don't think it exists. I don't yeah. think, but I'm just yeah. trying to be like, not sound like I know everything yeah. when I don't. But yeah, yeah I think that, that part was really heartbreaking yeah. for me. Like similar to how it is here. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. There's still like a little bit of like a farce. In South yeah. There's still like a bit of a performance yeah. that you can like get away with. Yeah. Whereas there it's like. Super rich and extremely people, poor. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and then. Yeah, and then the work itself. The, when, it, when you get to the work, obviously the orientation about the project is dance music, yes. and you like you know you you so you you are someone that enjoys dance music yeah. as well. So it's like, what's conversation like with the artists, with the dancers in preparation to fall? Um, all of it was really crazy for like multiple reasons. Yeah. Like so. So we're, we're talking to, like, global choreographers. You know, I interviewed David O. Like, just the levels of, like, the kind of characters that we were engaging with was so incredible. And to be, like, hats off to Andrew, my creative director, we did a lot of preparation for... Um, that part? All of it. Okay. So it's, like... I also, my style is to really um, get my subject to feel super comfortable. Um, so it's important that I meet them way before we shoot, develop like a repertoire, obsessively like stalk them and research about them until like, it's, so it almost feels like, you know, I feel like one of their friends. They don't have to do all this work of like explaining who they are. Like, I don't know, I can't explain it, but. I feel you. Yeah, it was just every experience was so different. Like even our two core characters that followed, like we were following these two narratives, they were even so different in wow. how they showed up and who they were as people. And I had m multiple moments. It was very, I'm going to get emotional. It was like super rewarding. Um, and I felt like I was confronted with conversations with God like regularly because there's also this nature of like, um, the way people engage with each other 
definitely in the spaces I was in, you know, by God's grace yeah. and God willing. And so I always felt like there were these constant blessings on me. Um, and then again, also just like you're a storyteller, you know, the pain of, of humanity um, and, you know, the, the, the pleasure, the beauty of it. So, I, you know, I was just uh, competing with all of that. And um, as as great as the narrative is and as emotionally invested as you feel in the characters and the people, I had that like daily with all of them. Wow. Yeah. It, I hope it shows in the work. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't seen it, please, please um, check it out. It's... It's called Uncredit, the story of Afrodance. It's on um, uh, the Red Bull website. Red, Red Bull website. <laughs> um, yeah, you should check it out. Yeah. It's, it's kind of centers around, um, it's framed by Red Bull Dance Your Style competition and following the, the, the two finalists, but it's also kind of a really interesting ideological conversation around, um, you know, modernity and the internet and how, like, culture shifts and changes constantly. Yeah. So, yeah, it would mean a lot if you watched it. Yeah, look look at documentary pouring into your cup, like... Yeah. Like... So I also feel like maybe part of, like, wanting to shift away from that is because I made, like, an amazing one and I feel oh. sated and, like, satisfied... Okay. ...with what I did. Okay. Um... But at the same time, it's also branded documentary yeah, work, right? Yeah. Um, and then I also made like some archival work around Roads Must Fall and Fees Must Fall pertaining to the trans collective, but like based off of how traumatic of a time that was for all of us. I feel like as, as like youth, that was our protest. It was. And yeah. then I think making work around it was also a little bit traumatic for me. In the real docky sense. So maybe I'm also just like, maybe I can revisit the shit in a few years. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What What makes you like tick right now? Um, What's that conversation when you put your head on the pillow? I've been watching. I, f- I keep forgetting the name because my memory <laughs> so bad. Hang, hang on, I'll tell you. I just need to find it. Um, sorry. It's talking about unsolicited news <laughs> so i'm just looking in the text um here it is sorry um how to with john wilson on hbo have you seen that um is it the one that is set in new york yes um Obs- five seasons yeah but i've only watched season one so that's it my like, current obsession in same. i love that so i'm i'm like also really interested because since i've been on tumblr mix it like so I've started this podcast with Mzor, but we're fucking idiots and we're too self We've recorded four episodes, but we haven't released it because we're too scared. <laughs> um, so it's like the two worst people that could start Ew. a podcast together. When I think about, yeah, the, yeah, when I think about both you guys, there would be some like really interesting conversations they're, and subject they're, matters. They're great. But we just need to <laughs> Maybe you can help us. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say just do it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm interested in like a personal archive. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm just like, you know, we've been these chronically online millennials. Or yeah. I have. You're How old are you? You're young. You're a baby. Z- Zonke actually, sorry to cut you off. Zonke actually made a joke about this. What? About um, us being like generation that's like so glued on like on yeah, top phones he's punk it, oh it's such a crazy punchline yeah 
Ja, und so ist Comedy auch. Anyway. So. <lacht> What was that at the tone? No, <lacht> I hate stand-up comedians. So really? I, yeah, I That's think... That's storytelling. Uh, yeah, it is. My dad did stand-up as okay, well. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, okay. Um, I'm, I'm reframing my opinion on it. I think I was just been disappointed by, like, the culture and Me Too and all of that shit. Like, oh, I don't even want to okay. get into, like, Dave Chappelle yeah, and Louis C.K. Yeah. and fucking Trevor Noah jokes. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't... I think stand-up comedy for a long time has been about punching down. And I think, like, you know, the, it's majority, like, male stand-up comics. And it's like, you guys have everything. Like, what's it a laugh about? Like, shut up. Um, but I'm changing my opinion on that. But, uh, like, every, every wise crack is punching down. It's like a joke about another group of people that you are above, i.e. queer people, fat people, women, like, mm. feminists. I, I, I'm talking about old yeah, school comedy old, old, that old turned school. me okay, off. Okay, 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 okay. And like you still like reluctant to um, see? Look, I think I'm an extremely funny person. So I'm okay. just trying to feed him some of my like content and hoping he can like, perform it on stage. Because they'll receive, like he'll be received way better. Oh, When it's coming goodness. from a man, it's so much funny. <laughs> Well, way to go, way to go, collecting all the points in that one. Skirt. Skirt. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, the thing about him, the tone was that I think he's um, tapped into something really incredible. I think he's tapped into this like bitterness and resentment we have towards like the culture of um, neoliberalism. Yeah. And it's something that like I reference Rhodes Must Fall and Fees Must Fall, but like I think what the media, which I am participating in and i make money off of myself so i'm cognizant of my own role in it but um what it's done is it just it's it's sucked the nuance out of like experiences and i think a lot of millennial intelligent millennial people are frustrated and irritated but there's not a way to articulate that because um of the way like modern conversation is set up so I think Zor is a smart enough man and comedian to do it in a way that like people will laugh, enjoy it, but actually listen to what the fuck he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's done it. I don't think there's yeah. lots of. Yeah, there's not a lot of comedians. Yeah, like and they haven't been. So in South Africa, I don't know. I mean, uh, I love Mark yeah. Lattering, yeah. but I mean, people also. Have uh, a lot of colored people, particularly like middle class, like rich colors, hate him. Yeah. They're like, oh, why? Do, how can he represent like colored people in that? Yeah, way? yeah. But it's just like, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I thought I don't go watch it. Then. Yeah, but then there's like really like culturally significant like sort of comedy sort of plays like Joe Barber that really represented. I mean, colored people in a very like nostalgic sort of. Um, you don't feel Joe Barber too. I oh, no, I'm uh, saying you're you're referencing nostalgia. Yeah, but and relatability like, is the word. Yes. Yeah, not nostalgia. Yes. Sorry. I think there is value in stereotypes. Yeah. And that's what comedy relies on. Yeah. But that's why I'm weary and I'm very cautious about comedy. Comedy. In yeah. Mm. Such a like it's such a scary place to be in because you can offend everyone. Yeah. You know, 
And I think I find it incredible that um, it almost takes a certain like level of confidence to actually like step over that and be like, oh, actually, I'm going to share this thought with the world, however it's received. Mm-hmm. And I think that in itself is somewhat powerful. Agreed, but I think um, the people who have like been empowered by that have been but shitty people. So yeah. So I agree with you. There's like a level of confidence, but I also think there needs to be a level of care and love that you have for your audience. That comes with yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like a lot of comedians hate their audience. Okay. Whereas, like, I think Mzor's clocked into like tapped into something where it's yeah. like, I'm not going to be talking down to these people. Yeah. Or pretending like I'm better than them. Yeah. And that's what makes them so fucking funny. Funny. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. And he got into comedy way late in his life. It wasn't something that he sort of... Well, I've known him for long. He's been funny forever. Okay, okay. But I think the timing's right. Yeah, yeah. And and You know, Mark Lottering was in advertising. He was a client service. That is Before he went into theater. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. He was client service and advertising. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, actually... And we overlook those people that are in client service. (laughs) I don't, Shame. I love my clients. I'm joking. Um, I think everyone's overlooked all the time. I think that's what I was saying. My mom's an artist, but she just got given, she made her decision. to manage. Well, also just she got, like, dealt her hand of cards. Like, she was raised in a very different time where women, it's just different. Yeah. Mm. And I just think... People are amazing, and I should give comedy another shot. Yeah. And I need to be more you hopeful. You should. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. do a, a, a... I am also interested in doing some comedy okay, work, do. like film work. Okay. I could yeah. never do that. I hate live yeah. performance. I live performances. This is even stressful for me. I, 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 I hope you... Have felt comfortable of doing I'm not this. Boring. No, it's conversation is engaged. Uh, okay, engaging. Cool. I, I read this other like I don't know where I read it on the internet. It was like this guy was saying that like I don't know, someone was asking him like what's the most scariest thing he's done in his life? Mm-hmm. And he said, like, yeah, I've broken my neck on a motorbike and that's not scary. But when I got onto stage and I did stand up, that was probably the most scariest mm-hmm. thing I've done in my life. And I get that. I, live performance is insane. It's, it's yeah. scary. For flowers to the people who has yeah, the talent yeah, and the ability yeah. to actually hold the crowd, mm. you know? Um, it's a God-given gift. Are you going to do stand-up? Am I going to be hearing your jokes soon? I think that's probably like my final form. Okay. Not my final form, but like it's an area that I'm like wanting Interested to in. like delve into. Um, how that's going to be, I don't have the answers mm. to. But I think, yeah... I, for me personally, if I was to delve into this world, I would only speak about things that are related to my childhood. Mm. I don't know if I would speak about current affairs. I like that. Yeah. I like that as an approach. Um, because I also like your... I think you've got this like really interesting, almost like childlike vision of like certain things. Like when you talk of your childhood and your friends and stuff, there's just... Like, I love the way you communicate about that. So I think that could be a really interesting form of storytelling for yeah, you. Yeah, but uh, it takes a different type of confidence to hold the mic and actually get on, you know? Mm. <laughs> but there's no other way of doing it by falling, but mm. falling, you mm. know? Mm. Um, yeah, flowers to all the guys that are doing comedy. Yeah, and Respect, praise. yeah. 
but now I actually want to poke at um, the underbelly of the, not the devil. <laughs> what Satan? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, that was just an idiom. Uh. <laughs> You're like what Satan? No, I want to speak. Don't believe in the de- no, <laughs> I want to speak about um, the commercial space. Um, cool. <laughs> you've you've. <laughs> I mean, that's the world we find ourselves in. Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. and um, in the ecosystem of South Africa, advertising is sort of like the vehicle mm-hmm. like where most people who are interested in film sort of like, or at least on the production side, mm-hmm. I don't know, on the agency and writing mm-hmm. side. But I think it's both, though, where, you know, you get to sharpen your skills mm-hmm. and grow um, quite rapidly mm-hmm. um, with advertising being s- something that constantly change because people consume different things all mm-hmm. the time. Um, I want to know um, how 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 have you sort of like navigated around like that journey of, you know, being in advertising and still like um, knowing that like you still have an inner voice that tells you that, or not even an inner voice, an inner cup that you need to fill that sort of speaks for why you actually got into full. Mm. Yeah. Good question. And something that I'm constantly in flux about. Um, I think it's the, my answers to like comes in two parts. I think the biggest complication for advertising for me was like an ethical conundrum when I got into it. But um, that kind of, I had to really come to terms with that and address it because I was in a position where I'm like, I need as much money as I can make because I have multiple people I need to support. So how I'm going to do that with the level of skills and talent that I have. Um, and so I, I did work at a startup where I was making way too little money and like running a whole film department, like editing and like shooting. When you say startup, like a company? Yeah, like a digital oh. marketing okay, agency. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and like I can't even, like I'm going to be real, and this was like really long ago, like eight years ago, like, I couldn't even shoot. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was a very good editor. And I said that to them and they still insisted. But anyway, um, and yeah, they, I was just constantly fighting for an increase and, just needed more money and then out of the blue someone called me about a pitch that they'd come across and um it's actually one of my co-directors like one of the directors that are with the company now but they were basically like um there's this really cool pitch that I think you would be good for and I was like really random out of the blue and I was like yeah I'm keen sounds really good and then um he was like, you could do it through my production company, Bioscope. I'm signed with them. And if you if you need support. So I was like, okay, cool. And then that's when I met my boss and my mentor, Hilton. Um, and then he said, you know, that like um, this relationship's not dependent on you winning this job. Would you like to uh, sign with us? So I was like, I've never done an ad in my whole life. So... I mean, I think, I don't know, I was just, yeah, I, I remember after having coffee with him that day, because I was like, of course, yes, I'm there, I'm a direct advice group now, and I remember I got home, and I just, like, broke down in tears, like, oh. sobbing on my car, because I was like, fuck, like, it's been, like, fucking eight years of this shit, or, like, literally eating shit, <laughs> eating shit constantly, and, like, and in long form here, like I hadn't even entered the advertising space outside of doing some modeling and some acting, you know, and like lean into the good looks or whatever. Um, so, yeah, when I got home, I was just like 
broke down. I was by myself. And I, I felt insane because I was like smiling and sobbing at the same time when like I always wanted some eccentric person to like just fall into my life and then everything would be amazing. And that whole time it was just me um, being that eccentric weirdo, but like also just feeling really lucky and privileged that there's there are people that could see the potential and the talent in me. And like, I don't know, I just feel, I've never been acknowledged in that regard in like a professional context ever before. So yeah, that's how I started. And I was like, okay, the ethical issue around like signing shit to people they don't need, let it go. Because you need the money. And I've been really blessed to like be able to work on projects that feel a bit bigger than just selling product and selling brand and selling dream. Um, but I'll also do those jobs as well. Beautiful. But um, 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 Yeah, yeah. Go, sorry, you go, just, you go. So once the ethical thing like resolved itself in my head in your head. and it still comes up sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. like without a doubt and then talk to my therapist talk to god talk to shy like yeah um but then the second part is actually then being confronted with like the structural shit okay so people can talk about diversity and yeah inclusion and representation but you've been in in the yeah, rooms yeah, yeah. you know what it's like yeah 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 hella racist yeah hella like fucking gendered yeah yeah homophobic and misogynistic and i just love how there's this like idea around the, the industry that like you know we're super progressive yeah. and changing those things and it's it looks mystical from that side. it does but also the on in that same breath there are like moments of that happening that i've also been privy to that i'm sure you have but to me it feels like the split is like like 90 10 okay um so now you're stepping into this advertising space. What's your relationship like with pitching and selling ideas? Is it, is it something that you, uh, like coming from the digital market mm -hmm. um, environment that you were, were already exercising in, mm -hmm. but now it's like you literally have to sort of like detail how every part of this um, commercial is going to look mm -hmm. um, from the type of wardrobe your characters are going to have, the art direction, mm. where is it going to be set? Mm. What's the music like? Mm. Um, you sort of have to compartmentalize this whole sort of like dish mm. that you prepare. Uh, how did you go about like navigating or becoming more confident in um, voicing your ideas in sort of this pitch presentation sort of sphere that we find ourselves in with advertising i think that's a good question because i think um the pitching process is really really horrible and i think it like takes a lot of your energy and like yeah, yeah. really kills your confidence um so it's just practice there's no other yeah there's no other fucking answer or excuse i think but also taking personal responsibility, right? So, like, I was speaking about the second part of accepting advertising, which is, like, all these structures, I'm constantly fighting, like, white men, da 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 da, da. But, like, have you put your everything into that pitch? Have you given yourself enough time? Have you given yourself enough, like, energy? Uh, Are you pulling an all-nighter before? Is that the, have uh, you the practiced? flip of the coin? Yeah, have you rehearsed? Uh. Like, do you know what I mean? The, the, I'm also old enough now to realize, like, yes, life sucks and the world and the structures around it is going to prevent you from doing a lot of yeah. shit. But, like, also how much of your own time. Like, and also how much are you sabotaging yourself Self. in yeah. these situations? And I think that's something I had to kind of 
um, wrestle with a lot. Yeah. And I am, in order to deal with the losses and the rejection, because they come, that ha- like anyone who says like they don't lose, they're fucking lying. There was this director I met at one park and he was like, I don't lose pitches. And then I was like, hey. I, you get those ones. I'm like, my brother. You, he's fucking lying. <laughs> come on, my brother. Lie. You don't lose pitches. You've I. never lost a pitch. Okay, baby boy. <laughs> you're li- you're good at your job, I guess. You fucking liar. But some some of the guys get tenders just specifically for them, which is different. But maybe I'm not privy to this yeah. shit because I'm in like the ethical space. As yeah. Because you can be. I have heard like conversations around like there's no point in you pitching on this because it's gone to this other person. But I try not to let myself get caught up yeah. in that. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if I know that I've put my everything into it and I lose the job, it's on them. Yeah. Like, it's not me. It's not my yeah. idea. I did yeah. everything I could. Yeah. Um, they don't want to do it in that way. And that's fine. Yeah. I want to do it in this way. I know I've given you my everything. Yeah. You're bad. You're lost. Um, but that's taken me a while to, to get, get into there. Yeah. Yeah. Pitching used to be my worst part of the process. Really? I think it still is, but I don't hate it anymore. Okay. I'm now I'm just like a bit ambivalent and I get excited now. Okay. Yeah. There's uh, a there's a, a feeling of excitement yes. at least of an anxious, anxious one. and anxiety. Okay. It's definitely and like I promise you be like yeah. it's age and experience that like yeah. really helps like and just a knowledge in yourself and your craft, which also comes with the more jobs you shoot yeah. and the more, like, you know what your voice is, you yeah. know why you're in the room, and that yeah. makes that whole process, like, a lot easier. Easier, yeah. yeah. No, that's... that's but diff- give yourself time. Like, millennials and Gen Z's attention span, terrible. Like, give yourself enough time to do the work. Yeah. So that you can be confident in the room. Yeah. People... Don't work hard enough. <laughs> yeah. That's and their so pictures, they aren't. Yeah. Damn. I've been prioritizing in person pictures more than I've been Good. wanting to do the over the Same. Zoom thing. Same because the Zoom thing is like talking into a black hole. Yeah. And and like I'm like I said, I am funny. I know it might not seem that way on this yeah. podcast. I sound so serious. <laughs> like the jokes in my treatment be hidden. Nice. And not on the Zoom though. Yeah. Can you just see my facial expression or the little You would to you would. The little yeah. head, the little head tilt, you yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, I do find that helps. But yeah, when you you know you you know when you're gonna hit that mark, mark. where you're like, I know I fucking killed this. Yeah. So this rejection doesn't mean anything. Anything. Mm-hmm. And I've only felt that feeling with my last pitch. There you go, babe. And that's progress. That's growth. I've only felt that like my last picture, I walked out the room, I was like, okay. I like, ate. Yeah, yeah, like, and I'm not mad if I don't get it. Yeah. Like, like, I actually want to see what you guys do with the idea. That's the thing, because we're problem solving. Yeah. We're the troubleshooters, right? Yeah. My favorite part is when you lose a pitch, and then you <laughs> see it on TV, and you're like, what, what? the fuck. fuck am I watching? Crazy. And then it's always... Okay, not to racialize yeah. it, but it's always when I lose to a wife. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. really? Really, guys? It's like this? Yeah. About black people? <laughs> and this is who you went with? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think ultimately when you've solved the problem, yeah. you've done your job. Yeah. So whether you're awarded, I mean, you obviously want the money and you want the experience and you want the real. Yeah. But 
when you've solved it and you feel like you've clocked it, it yeah. doesn't fucking matter if you don't get it. Yeah, that's so real. And it's problem solving. It's mm-hmm. like, what's the rabbit in the hat? Yeah. Yeah. And that's for all points of advertising, but exactly. more so for di- directing. Yeah, 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 for directing. And I, I don't necessarily think it becomes easier. It you, doesn't. You just, be, you, you, you just become more... The way of dealing with rejection becomes better. And the priorities shift. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Um, you also get confronted with like um, different moments in your career where I'd imagine like, you know, like, um, you know, they don't want a middle-aged like black director, yeah. like, male director because there's 20 of us. Yeah. You know, so that might be like a quiet moment for you. Yeah. Where you're just like, okay, I need to just get over this bump, bump. and it'll be fine. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's a lot of delusion, lying to yourself. Yeah. But also being real. Like lying to yourself in the sense of like don't give up, but being honest with like, yeah. did I do enough? Yeah. Did I actually? It takes a lot of delusion, hey? Yeah. Yeah. And that's something like as real ass bitches like we yeah. are, it's difficult to like yeah. lie to yourself. Yeah. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Like until, you, and you don't have to lie to yourself. You just got to like commit fully to it. And yeah. then you don't have to be responsible to yourself because you know you've done the job and then it's on them and it's always on them always and when they make the wrong decision you see it yeah that's so interesting now that you find yourself in like a a leadership sort of Mm -hmm. space what are your views on mentorship i think um it's really important and i always i reference hilton earlier and it's so funny because my whole life I've been like searching for this like mentor figure and like projecting that onto certain people who didn't even necessarily like ask or want it. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of falling into the space of like it just naturally happened with my current mentor, Hilton Tannenbaum and me, his little mentee. Um, but it wasn't a conversation there was no like setup or framework. It just kind of happened. And I even said to him, like, I've never engaged with somebody of your like standing in the film industry who's so giving and open and like just incredible with his wealth of knowledge. You wow. Particularly if I'm a white man. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I also think that that's like a really important lesson in, in, in how important your education is. And I think mentorship's incredibly important. I'm actually after this going to meet somebody who's kind of like just like attached herself to me and like I want to direct. So I'm like, come, let's go. Um, and I think, um, yeah, the education has been monumental for me and I would want to pass that on and I'm trying to. I'm not at the precipice of my career or even post that. So I'm, like, I'm trying my best and I always say to the young girls, like, well, I don't know. This is, a, this is how I do it. People do differently, you, you know. But I think, like, being very intentional with education, being open, being honest is super important. It's gotten to me where I am today, and I want to, you know, give that back to people around me. It's part of why I, like, reached out to you. I just think um, I'm also just so hungry for good work. I think a lot of people in South Africa give props to very mediocre shit, and that's why I was also very specific when I reached out to you because I feel like um, there's a lot of hype around very, like, unprocessed, unconsidered, like, very mid-over-referenced work. Um, and that's also part of mentorship, which is, like, being critical of shit. 
like and we're in a very weird moment in society where I mean I'm an extremely sensitive person but there is value in criticism there is value in being like what the fuck were you thinking when you made this yeah or like I literally just saw a version of this yesterday. Uh, Why? Well, you're just literally copying that. Like, yeah. what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. But there is none of that like open dialogue. Yeah. We all sit in our lounges before we go to the jaw and be like, oh, did you see how? She, but no one's gonna say it. Say it. Um, yeah. Which I d- which I think is really like hindering our creative scene in the country. Specifically for filmmaking or just for in everything. General? Yeah, yeah, Babes, yeah. Like fashion. Yeah. Journalism, yeah, like everything's mid, yeah. and no one's saying it. And then you go look at the post, got a thousand likes. Everyone's yeah. like, "Fire, fire!" And I'm like, "Am I fucking crazy?" Because this looks like shit. And the comments are like coming in, and like, yo. But I also think it's also shifting a, a bit more away from like the internet space. When yeah, we, like I said, like it's the maturity thing. Yeah, like, do I want my work to be of value? on somebody's story yeah. or in the archive when you look back at my work does it still resonate with you yeah. outside of like fashion trends or what's popular music wise at the moment so yeah yeah i think i think when you actually give a fuck about your craft you will find people who be willing to mentor you or you will find people you you, you want to share that with yeah and pass it along oh real what does what what do you then feel about the young energy that's sort of bubbling up now mm. in all of these um, sort of like um, uh, mediums, whether it mm. is music, fashion, mm. and film. And I want to touch, like, focus on the film side. Mm. Like, what is it? What, 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 like, what feelings does it like give you when you see like young filmmakers mm. like making stuff like out of the cut, like, like raw? Is there anything memorable that you've seen as of late that came from a young person? Um, is it the memory bag that is gonna go away? No, it's uh, like everything looks like shit. No, I'm joking. Yo, <laughs> yo that is so tough. You know, you know that like your your beta tells you what the fuck. That's crazy. Yeah. No, no, I'm joking. Yeah. I think there are uh-huh. some seminal bits. I really like the. Um, um, I'm really into. I don't know what his real name is. I just know his Insta name, Christian Dior. Yo, Christian is his name. Christian cooks. He really cooks, but. I really like um, the art club and friends thing that he did. Uh, I think it's like a really beautiful piece of filmmaking and like um, just like an like I don't know. I just felt like not like hype beastie, yeah. Which I'm really <laughs> tired of. Hype, hype beastie. <laughs> yes, that's a genre, right? That is. That's what everybody be making, girl. Yeah, yeah. And like it's just like, oh my god, are we seeing this again? Yeah. Like, oh, let me not get too specific. Yeah. But um, I think I'm really interested in his work. Yeah. I think specifically the Art Club and Friends thing was nice. Um, there was something else that he did that I really liked. The, 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 the Nike thing, where it was like crazy VFX. That was fucking incredible. And then oh. they ended with a tattoo oh, on the crazy, lip. I love that. Crazy. That's my favorite thing he's yeah. done. And I love his photography work. I think yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. Um, so definitely him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Last <laughs> to Christian. Yeah. I, that's I just like think, I just think it's, look, I don't, I think it's like the nature of where culture is right now. Yeah. 
it's like we're making things that people want to see. See, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like, how much longer can we do this for? Yeah. Like, you know, you look at like, I don't know, has Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which you want, is underneath what you need, right? Yeah. Not to reference fucking business economics, <laughs> but like, you know, I just, I feel like, particularly in South Africa, there's just such a drought of yeah. like intellect and art. Yeah. I think in the fashion space, I really love Lukanyo Ndingi. Um, in the art space, I think there are some interesting and exciting people, but I, I just feel like it's a little bit too rare. And maybe I was like, it's my own like experience of like growing up in the '90s and being completely overstimulated by like just so much good art and work being surrounded. It was just such an exciting time. Yeah, and I just feel like we've hit a bit of like a plateau. Yeah. And it's the internet and it's being broke and it's like being in the gender-based violence capital of the world. Like w- we so badly need something interesting and engaging and we're not being served that. In the... Everywhere. In the everywhere. In the, in, in the cultural impact that we young people, or uh, millennials uh, have as artists and, on, and the, on general society. And, the, and the, 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 the offering that you think we lacked is an offering that has, um, what's the word, um, you, you said it was um, intellect. Yes. Okay, well what does, what, does that, what does that intellect look like? I think when people are able to like, see something so either like so consume something so a piece of writing or a piece of work um a film a music video and be able to formulate their own opinion on it i think that's intellect and i feel like that doesn't exist anymore it's just like i don't think people are critical enough about where their wants and their needs stem from um and i don't think there's enough work out there engaging in that yeah like, are you sure you like this? Yeah, real. You know? Like, are you sure it's you that likes this? Or is it because all your friends Everyone like your posts? Yeah. Do you like it or do you like the likes? Like the 300 likes? Hey, yo. Real. So. Real. I just feel like we need to recontextualize our audience. Okay. And, like, think about actual people yeah. and not, like, um, Instagram accounts. Yeah. We don't have that. Yeah. Today we only have Instagram accounts, but that's why I love like friends of friends. It yeah. just always feels so seminal, and that's why you love uh, the broke boys. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's something so like visceral about those yeah. experiences that yeah. like uh, we can occupy outside of like fucking X and yeah. Insta and YouTube and TikTok. Yeah, um, I'm gonna sound like such a fucking boomer, <laughs> a m- milli boomer, whatever. But like, and I love the internet like yeah. so much, but I think. We've got brain rot yeah. from it. I think it's made us at least creatively stunted. And yeah. I just, I just, we need a little bit more thinking. That's what I mean in terms uh, of inter- just a little bit more thinking. Thinking. Do you actually like what you see? Yeah. Why do you like what you see? Yeah. Yeah. I and then that. it's fine if you do. Yeah. But you haven't even thought whether you actually you like, like it or not. not. Yeah. yeah. That's so real. Yeah. Crazy. What about South African youth do you find fascinating? I, because I'm in my early 30s now, I found out like my late 20s, um, always feeling frustrated by like seeing young people at the club or at the restaurant, like just always feeling this like, ugh, 
shut up, you're annoying. But now, like, I have a lot more grace. And when I, like, overhear young people talking or I see them engaging with each other, I always, I, I, I find, like, my heart is warmed. And I'm like, oh, they're so sweet. They have their whole lives ahead of them. There's so much potential. Um, so I've definitely shifted into a much more, like, um, positive space around when I think about the youth. I'm very worried Oof. about the youth. Where does that worry come from? Well, I mean, I just feel like, and this ties back to media and growing up in the 90s, like, you know, I grew up on, like, soul buddies and, like, yuzu yuzu. Yeah. Our, our, our education system was incredible. Yeah. Like, people be fucking raw. And I'm sorry, when did that come back? Like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm sex positive to an extent, but it's just, like, you know, there's just, like, this, um, and it comes with the rebellion of, like, growing up and, like, trying to reject a system but i just want young folk to know that there are other options that aren't so suicidal and self-destructive you know i look at like the way south africans enjoy not just the young ones or the all of us our relationship to alcohol is really scary yeah. um so I, there, there's concern but at this and that's just out of like for their well-being and their safety i want them to be happy yeah and I don't want them to put themselves in situations that can exacerbate a very dif- difficult lived experience as a South African, right? Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm, I think it, it goes back to, like, just thinking a little bit more about things instead of just being so instinctive and, like, reactionary. Reaction. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, let's just think about what this might mean. mean. <laughs> um, so I feel really excited. I think there's an optimism that I've been lacking in my life that I'm seeing in the youth. Um, and I think it's, you know, I've also been, like, Mzo and I talk about this all the time around, like, how what we, what we consider kind of, like, like center-left, like these, like, ideological shifts that we never thought would become mainstream now have. yeah which is like um, this kind of very progressive neoliberal ideology, which is turning into its own monster, yeah. like in front of us, like with cancel culture, with yeah, yeah, yeah. everything, right? Um, cancel culture being at the forefront. Yeah, and I yeah. just it, it's just like the self-cannibalizing space, yeah. which is really scary. And I, I, I feel like, the, like Gen X is less so involved uh. in that, which I'm really excited for. And I'm excited to see maybe the art will be better. Uh. Because they're not scared of each other. Ooh. Millennials were super scared of each other. Yeah. Um, and getting cancelled by one another. Another, yeah. yeah. Um, so I do. Th- I understand like what, what um, like sets up like this drought of intellect and creativity. Thinking, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't hold myself or people my age responsible, but we yeah. need to like sh- shake things up a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah getting tired yeah 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 but i i am I'm, I'm excited i think it's amazing yeah. i think that, i believe that children are our future but yeah. i don't think it's their responsibility to make the world a better place yeah. but Oof. i want them to make their own lives better for themselves Oof. and personal responsibility and personal choices can shift a lot in your life yeah and i know that's what all people say but it's the truth yeah <laughs> Real. And it it's only sinks in when you get to that age literally. of understanding mm. where your priorities also shifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you're not like sort of like not living life on the edge, but where you... No, it is on the edge. It is on the edge because you have nothing to lose. Yeah, because you have nothing to lose. But I think the biggest, 
my biggest take out of like the sentiments you've expressed is that the worry comes from the youth like having this like sort of like high percentage of like wanting to engage in like self-destruction yes. which is incredibly scary yeah. and it's many things to play to that and, and what's crazy is they yeah. think that like it's 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 of the self yeah right? but we've entered into this like severe culture of narcissism yeah, yeah. where it's like um i'll do whatever da, 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 because i want like just a better experience and it's just like you might think that that's like a revolutionary way to think but it's actually super selfish like yeah what about your family the yeah. people around you the people that care about you I just think we need to be a little bit more considerate of each other of each other yeah and my mom was telling me that over the weekend she's so right she snapped yeah and it, for some reason i not that i got upset mm. it's like i was angry because it's like not angry, but just like triggered because she was actually right and it was hard for me to admit. Uh, of course. And I was sitting there, I was like, in my head, I was like, you don't know what you told me about. You grew up in a different era. Yeah. Like, this is how we do things. And like, she was actually right. Mm. And I only felt that way because I knew deep down she was right. Yeah, because it's your mom, duh. Yeah, but like, yeah. No, I get that. I think it's just, yeah, I think youth, like to be young is to be fucked up, you know? I yeah. think that's where I've landed. and I, And I just hope that they make it out of their youth. We just hope that, like, <laughs> they they make a safe return back to themselves. Exactly. I love the way you said that. Yeah. yeah. That's what it's about. Yeah. I feel like in my heart... Um, yeah, how do you feel about the youth? How old are you? I am... How old do you think I am? I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea. I know. So it's... Like young twenties, <laughs> right? I don't want to expose yeah. you. I don't want to dox you. <laughs> you want to dox me? You're in your like young twenties. Yeah, no, I actually turned um, seventeen last week. <laughs> <laughs> the youth is. Well, I mean, are you inspiring. the youth? That's why I'm asking your age. You're Man, one of them. We are, yo. We are incredibly gutsy. Mm, I love it. Confident, uh-huh. like sure. Um, sometimes we might not have the clarity, yeah. but the want to do it is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, smarter in a way, mm-hmm. uh, just like by not being like afraid of one another. Mm, I love uh, that. I'm so jealous. I feel like <laughs> I feel. I feel like I feel like um, people who were older than me when they were my age, um, there was this complex of like I don't actually want to engage with you because you might hinder A, B, C, and mm-hmm. D because it was a different time. Mm-hmm. Information today is widespread, mm. and I can connect with an individual who I think belongs to my community by a click of a button mm-hmm. via social media, mm-hmm. and I think. You're right. The attention span is small. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in South Africa, to be a youth in South Africa is probably like your biggest superpower mm. right now. Mm. We're in a place where the world is looking at us in in terms of like where to set set the tempo, mm. uh, just in pop culture in mm. general. Mm. And being alive and being at the cusp of that is like really inspiring. Mm, I love and that. it's. It's it's an ongoing sort of like, um, it's an ongoing identity for mm. South African youth. Mm. Um, and yes, I do relate with you. Um, like things that we are consuming are less of an educational nature. Mm. We don't have. Well, I mean, soul buddies 
and Izo Izo um, with things that used to play on TV for like educational purposes mm-hmm. but SABC now doesn't really girl. have that yo girl. I love her she like you made me want to get into film but girl but like yo <laughs> yo, yo it's crazy <laughs> So I, I think, yeah, the, 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 it's exciting. It's high emotions of excitement, um, high emotions of, of joy that um, we sort of like don't have like, uh, we don't have to struggle too much or walk uh, the muddy road that those, the, those who are older than us, older than us um, walked. Um, I think it's important that we document. Mm, I agree. Yeah, it's a documentation that I'm attached to because when we look back, there's not a lot of like reference points that we can pull out of. I and I'm, I'm attached to this generation really honing in or documenting everything. Yeah, like the archives. Exactly. Um, yeah. That's Instead what of like high beast, like all this over stylized this shoot, like, ooh, ooh, like, okay, cool. And that's cool too for no, the it's people that yeah, it's a pro- yeah, I hear you. It I can't hear be you. every, every shoot. Yeah, that it's like super I get that. I get that. I get that. It I, can't but just be aesthetics every day. But that's the, the era we're living now. No, it sucks. Yeah, it sucks that that's the era we're living now. Like we have to curate how the frame looks and how we want to relay this real story, but in a stylistic way. Mm-hmm. And I guess like our palettes of taste change from time to time. No, of course. I'm just and in that's a transitional the era. phase. That's the yeah. era we're in now. Yeah, yeah. That like I'm in also personally in a transitional yeah. phase around like what I'm actually engaging with and what yeah. I like personally. Yeah. Um, like how to is incredible. I love it. Yeah. That's, that changed my perspective on just seeing life. Yeah, I love it. It's crazy how he yeah. offsets about like things that you don't even pay attention to. But and I just love his eyes. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Like just the observation of like things, which is nice. Yeah. Instead of like what I think should be in front of in camera. front of camera. No, very talented guy. Um, but yeah, it's a blessing <laughs> to be alive yeah. and. Um, be in a space where I share space with individuals mm-hmm. like yourself. Thank you. Um, we are inspired by the journey you wa- you walk. Um, Thank you. That's so you're going to make me cry. Even though, like, you know, we so tapped in at times that mm-hmm. we're unable to sort of, like, tap each other on the back and remind each other that you're not alone. Yeah. Um, I think that... Uh, in my heart, I know that like I, we will see a feature film from from you, um, and I'm excited to sort of like dissect that part. I'll we'll get there, and I'm excited to see you, like your dad as a subject. I don't know why that is like. Why don't you make a film about my dad and me? You just put me on the spot. Yeah, like you there. put me on the spot about <laughs> my dad. It's time to turn the tables, Dude, baby. Why did you make the film? Yeah, yeah that two is two directors. Yeah, in a podcast, he's gonna make, make the movie the about my dad first. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is something that I'm super like excited to see, mm. and, and no pressure whatsoever yeah, no, sure. to fulfill that um, sort of. Uh, journey or aspect or corner in your life if it does happen and we do see it amazing if you do do it and decide that you don't share it with the world also amazing well my feature will be about yeah your life right? an archival moment and a relationship but to get into like the nitty gritty of ducky style stuff with my father nice it's not happening yeah (laughs) 
No, of course. <laughs> and I don't foresee that being like... No, but they, they definitely have inspired my, yeah, 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 my yeah. feature. It's about my, like, yeah, whatever. Whatever. I can't talk about no, it. No, no. Because then it won't naturally, be made. Naturally. Yeah, naturally. Exactly, so, so. Um, yeah, is there a message that you want to send out to your younger self? Oh, okay, RuPaul. Okay, RuPaul. I just, before I do that, um, I just did want to say I'm in my auntie bag at the moment. I'm not trying to be like patronizing. I'm just in like a very transitional space where I'm like thinking about my role and how I'm represented and what I'm saying to people. Um, That's that's on growth. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I do care so much about (laughs) <laughs> sounds so corny <laughs> but i really do i'm so interested in like young people and I, I just want them to win all the time yeah so to baby kyla just commit do it and be amazing like be happy make the work and yeah just share the love fuck i sound like a hippie oh my god <sighs> thank you so much Thanks. for joining us and this for baby Batanda after this conversation Oh. Stop dating colored women. <laughs> <laughs> yo, no, no, that's not that's that. Yo, uh, for baby Batando, that is um, wow. I've you put me on the spot there, Kyla. Um, I guess you're the host, but I do, yeah. it does feel very conversational. Yeah, I I think I wanted to say to him that like, um, yeah. Don't let anyone shine your light. Mm-hmm. Um, your mother named you Batandua, mm-hmm. which means love for a reason. Marry that. Embrace that. Mm-hmm. And just always make space for people. Mm-hmm. And let people be the sort of leading factor mm-hmm. in whatever you do. I love yeah, that. Yeah. And it, that shows in your work. That's why I was drawn to it. I feel the, the same way about my personal ideology and the work that I want to make. So I was very drawn to you and your very impressed. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of you. <laughs> Color pull. Yeah. Thank you for the space. Thank you for joining us and making pleasure. the time. I hope it's interesting. <laughs> That's beyond our control. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. But I mean, it will be. It will be. <laughs> <laughs>